Hey, Andy Phillips here. And I'm Tom Hackett. You may remember us from that time when we used to try really hard to make plays on fourth down. Well, we're back at it with a brand new show called Special Forces Gang, where we give you new perspective on what it takes to be a football player. We talk all things Utah football, sports, and life. Don't miss Special Forces Gang. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on kslsports.com. Go Utes! At SLRC, they understand your dream to move. Moving up, moving on, moving your body, moving mountains. SLRC can help you find the focus to define your finish line. As a top 10 run shop in America, they use their 25 years of experience to provide custom shoe fit analysis and offer a premium assortment of footwear and workout essentials. Locally owned, locally operated. SLRC is movement inspired. Visit saltlakerunning.com to schedule your shoe fitting today. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, I've got Jillian Gibbs. It's really important to make sure that you're connecting with your team. And it's harder to do the bigger you get because there's so many. But the connection is really important in terms of everybody knowing what they're working towards. They're all on the same page, swimming in the same direction towards um, a common goal. And they all feel empowered to represent the company. Jillian, thanks for making time. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start off with the elevator pitch on this uh, organization you've built. Okay, fabulous. My favorite thing. Uh, So APR stands for Advertising Production Resources, uh, and I'm the founder and the CEO of this wonderful company that's just started its 19th year. And we are a production optimization consultancy that oversees about a billion dollars or over a billion dollars in annual ad production spend for over 60 marketers, marketing organizations or advertisers around the globe. Um, All of our people have hands-on production backgrounds. They come from TV, print, out of home, digital, web, mobile, social, experiential, and our 180 plus team members collaborate, collaborate with marketers and their creative resources to establish best practices and find efficiencies in the advertising and content production ecosystem. That is very succinct. That's great. Um, so, so give us an example of what that looks like. So you have a marketing organization, uh, say a multinational company with multiple brands, uh, all of whom are working towards reaching the consumer in the best way. They have a limited number uh, or a limited amount of money to spend on how they um, procure creative ideas and how they execute and produce them. We focus on the execution portion. We don't actually produce anything. So we'll sit with marketing organization and help them work with their creative partners, uh, whether it's whatever they bring in house or their creative advertising agencies or their PR agencies, or um, even um, working directly with production suppliers and working directly with Hollywood. And we'll put in the, the processes to help everyone manage the process, the expectations, the costs, so that they can be successful. What, what, what it does is we're the only really entity for an organization who sits at the bird's eye view so we can see all the production activity going on at once for a brand. And, and therefore, we could connect the dots you know, and find ways like that's, that, that shot already exists. You don't have to shoot that because this company over here shot it and has it. And, um, and so I'd say a CMO, a chief marketing officer, has that seat but isn't um, directly working on each project. So projects and agencies are usually assigned work 
for their specific needs or their their specific skill sets. So for us, being able to connect the dots and, and help a marketing organization to work more efficiently is a it's a unique role that we sit, a unique, a unique place. Yeah. When you think about, you know, growing to such a significant size, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I think um, people like to work with people they like. Uh, and so I, most of our new businesses come through referrals um, or, you know, people leave one company and go to another. Um, I'd say 85, 90% of the time uh, it's referrals. Uh, and, and I think that's, I think our, we choose people to work at the company who are really good people. They're really expert at what they do, but they're really authentic and good people as well. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, you think about uh, folks, you, they really want their teams to bring that discretionary effort, you know, that that part of uh, working effort that managers haven't been able to figure out how to put on a checklist, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't really demand it out of people. You kind of have to, they have to give it to you, don't they? They do. I mean, we we have to because we're all so sep separated by um, geography. You know, we're in uh, 28 countries and 48 cities, and everybody is consistent in how they work. And this is a challenge that we have to sort of teach them how to um, behave in a way because when you're that's consistent. Because when you're sitting in your you know office at home and you're serving uh, APR clients, you got. You've got to figure out how to make the most of your time at home, how to have balance in your life so you're not working all the time, and then how you build these relationships beyond just helping with the productions. You know, um, the relationships are so key. And, and when we get everybody together once a year, we play act. Um, we say, and we get together monthly too. We call them monthly huddles. You know, like a company cuddle, <laughs> where we're actually engaging in some um, client challenges and we could say, you know, what would you do in this situation? Or here's what happened and here's what the team in London did um, in that situation. You know, when you're in the same situation, you know, let's play it, let's play it out. And so the physical act of, whether it's virtual or in person, of, of, of you know, play acting these parts um, has really helped us a lot. Yeah, I bet. Um... You know, I'm, I'm interested because the world of content is obviously changing. Um, you have such a front row seat. I'm, I'm interested as you think about the innovations that are coming down the pipe or, or things like that, what's kind of on top of mind for you? Uh, wow, that's, that's a, we're, we're putting together our 2019 creative production trends report right now. So it's very top of mind, all of these things. And I think um, the biggest takeaway has been for the last two years, and I think will continue in 2019, is that as marketers and advertisers look at their entire creative ecosystem, that they have to really think about things differently. And in order to work differently, they have to change the partners. Because the if you, for example, hire a, um, if you create a new agency and say, this is going to be a new agency model. I'm going to have a new creative agency. Now we're going to give it a, a spe special name. It's going to be assigned just to us and our marketing teams around the globe. That agency, um, won't succeed if that agency, if you just hire people from the traditional advertising agency and, and bring them over, uh, without some very serious change management. Uh, because the people will just adopt the way that they used to work. So I think that one of the biggest uh, changes needed as the industry makes this huge shift 
uh, in the content production space is to rethink the whole creative production ecosystem and, and try working with companies that are a little risky and uh, that you're not comfortable with and that you don't know very well, um, who have a different way of, of approaching production. I, I think that's the headline is just kind of redesign your whole creative production ecosystem. And in your mind, what are some of the best practices for designing that? Um, well, you want to get first. The thing is to get visibility to everything that's going on, because as in the creative production space, assignments um, are are divvied out to creative production partners in silos. And so connecting the dots in the silos and getting visibility to everything that's being produced, you know, typical marketing organizations have um, the experiential group, you know, trade show, uh, that will be s different people from the traditional marketers who are working in the TV and print space. Um, and the digital team will also be different and in a, you know, different floor, <laughs> different people. And the, the, one of the best practices in bringing this all together is to, is bring, is cut down the silos and, and really get a handle on uh, what's being produced because as the, as more and more platforms are created, more silos are created essentially. And if if the marketer could get a handle on developing a brand ID that includes not just visually what does the brand look like, but um, does the sound what does the brand sound like? Um, you can really connect the dots. So audio is is um, coming back <laughs> as a trend because not only because of the um, you know voice activated devices, but um, podcasts, obviously, um, that are sponsored by brands, and brands are learning how to do that. And uh, radio is back um, with more and more advertising uh, in production uh, increasing in in radio production, as well as experiential. You know, when you do an event, you have sound is very much a part of it. And so, to uh, the challenge for the brand is to provide consistency across all of these vehicles, all of these platforms, and audio is is key. So, I'd say that's a best practice as well. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you know, I so at Mylan we have some ad agencies as clients, mm -hmm. and I've been brought in. You know, um, I probably shouldn't say where. I, I remember going to a you know Fortune 10 company with them, mm -hmm. and hearing about all the problems with the team my client was working for to get their internal social to be willing to post it. It mm -hmm. was like, I thought you guys worked for the same company. It was like, it was this like big eye-opening experience a number of years ago for me to, to find out about like, just like the bureaucracy of some of those silos. Yes. Yes. It's amazing that they, I mean, it, logically it makes sense to break down the silos, but there's sometimes culturally it's, it's impossible. Sometimes it's um, politically impossible because people have their own budgets and they manage to that budget and, and, and it, it's just it's not going to work is in a future forward company and i think that's the biggest part is is restructuring and training these people the change management is really key and i'm sure your your consultancy could be really helpful in this area well you know i'm i'm interested let let's pull it back for a minute when you think about obviously you guys have done something right to to accomplish what you've accomplished what are some of the things that you feel like you've innovated or, or done different than just the Me Too type of businesses out there? I would say uh, the building, this is really easy. I'm just trying to figure out exactly how to say it um, so it makes sense to everybody. The building the company where everyone feels that they are empowered to challenge what we do 
question what we do and the decisions we make because then it makes us a better company. Everyone has a voice. Um, it, it is also really important that we have a, a community where, it, I mean, even though we're 180 plus people, we are, we feel like a family, which has been very challenging to achieve, but it, it also feels so natural. Um, and I think that is, that is one of the reasons um, that we succeed as we do and that clients gravitate towards us because the experience with us is profoundly different. Even though um, other companies say they do the same thing that we do, the, ex the, the experience that our clients have with us is, is, is truly different. Yeah. Um, so thinking about that at scale, um, yeah. as you guys continue to grow and, and did you say 48 different cities, you have staff in 48 yeah, cities and 28 countries. Yeah. So with those type of logistics, um, what kind of advice do you have for, for other leaders who have a distributed team? Just, you know, the failures, the mistakes, the wins from, from being so diversified like that. Well, I think it's, it's really important to make sure that you're connecting with your team. And it's harder to do the bigger you get because there's so many. But the connection is really important in terms of everybody knowing what they're working towards. They're all on the same page, swimming in the same direction towards um, a common goal. And they all feel empowered to represent the company in a, in a, in a, in a consistent way. So just assigning somebody a, a project you know, in Singapore or in, in um, uh, Rio de Janeiro, you know, is not a, uh, and saying here, that this is the list of things. We actually have to em embody sort of the, the culture of APR and ship it to them. <laughs> so, so the way we have, I think it's really important when you have a distributed team to make a connection, a human connection. People have to believe in the leadership. And in order to do that, besides being consistent with the how and the why we do what we do, it's really understanding each other as humans. And and me as a leader, you know, I, I get a lot of air miles in because I'm traveling a lot. But I also, um, I do sort of an internal podcast where um, I'll turn on my video and I'll talk about the experience I just had and share it with them so that we can now have a dialogue about it. So I'm not experiencing these wonderful meetings and people that I meet along my travels by myself. I'm, I'm actually intentional about sharing those experiences. You know, when you think about having a strong culture, if people want to build like really, you know, high performance teams that actually cooperate with each other across an organization, yes. right? Um, why do you think that so few folks, so few leaders, CEOs um, have as much of a priority on internal marketing like that? Why do you think it doesn't occur to us as much? I think we get busy and it's, it's easy to get caught up in the, in the busyness of serving your uh, business or your clients uh, and making that a priority, of course. Um, and we forget to step back and uh, be humans. And it certainly has happened here. I mean, we've grown, um, I guess, 40% year over year in the last two years. And uh, I had an experience recently where I said, I, okay, now I'm, not, I'm no longer involved in all of the, the new hire interviews. Um, but afterwards, um, and we have a great process for the hiring process, and it's a very detailed process with you know, personality tests and just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Skill set obviously is tested. But I realized I wasn't meeting everyone, so I said, let me, let me do a, after they're hired, let me do sort of a, a meet and greet on a Zoom meeting, and let me meet these people. So I did one 
um, a couple weeks ago with a, um, three women. Uh, one was one is in Brazil, one is in Chicago, one is in New Jersey. And the amazing thing is that they ha they all had the same experience. They didn't know each other, so they got to meet each other. They'd only been at the company since October, so they've only been with us for a month. And their experience was so profound, heartfelt. It made me cry because they said they already feel so much a part of a collaborative community of people who are like-minded, who are all very smart and you know expert in their field. Everyone feels that they're part of a high-performance team and everybody feels the, the closeness and the collaboration. And to achieve that without me being involved was just so profound for me, I, I, I started to cry. This <laughs> is pretty amazing what we have here. And I think that just it's got you got to be intentional about connecting with a distributed team. Yeah, you know, um, I'm interested in this thought about being more human. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have any examples in your life that set an example that way to you? <laughs> uh, I use music a lot because um, you're a trained opera singer, correct? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I don't know; it's corny sometimes, but I I just use. I love music to motivate, um, to just lighten the, the mood. Uh, I've sung on stage, you know, to at some of our annual meetings. You know, I was moved to sing a cappella um, from the musical Wicked, uh, the song, um, uh, what is it called? I've, I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason. What is that called? Um, for good, from Wicked. And it's about people in your life can contribute to who you are and you learn from them. And, um, and that's, that's so valuable. And I think that's the way we live our lives. That's the way I live my life. And so because I'm a, a, a pretty authentic human, I think it's sort of, um, it's, it's infectious, it's contagious. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My wife loves plays. Every time we're in New York, she wants to go to plays. I'm the guy that like wants to go see the new Jason Bourne movie, right? <laughs> But uh, but Wicked was a great was a great show. It had that kind of resonance with people, didn't it? Yes, yes, and and then it's sort of very clever because it's a, it's the precursor to the Wizard of Oz, and so it was really clever how they tied it all together. You know, uh, I think yeah. about you know old marketing books like uh, I love the the original Jack Trout book, Positioning, right? And yeah, saying you know have like figure out what part of the customer mind you can own and mm -hmm. and like don't try to break in there with a completely fresh concept, latch onto something that already exists. And what a, you know, what a huge cultural icon the Wizard of Oz for them to latch onto, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but then to have that differentiation where it's not just a me too, you know what I mean? Like it had that, had enough, enough novelness that yeah. caught on, right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. listen, I, I, I go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I know we're about at the end of uh, part one of the interview here, and kind of my favorite question lately has been to ask people if they could go back and give a younger version of themselves some advice. What would you What would you tell yourself? Well, um, I would say, well, um, I would say go, don't be afraid to bring on advisors or, or get involved, because I had my head down growing the business, and I really didn't. I didn't go. I wasn't part of EY. Uh, you know the the uh, entrepreneur program. I I didn't do any sort of networking except for individuals. You know that I met along the way. I brought in as a consultant or an advisor to the company. But I wasn't ever part of a big um, sort of leadership growth uh, business group. 
And uh, I have been in the last three years. I joined one recently that's uh, the WPO, which has been hugely beneficial to me, both personally and professionally. And uh, I would have done that sooner. That's what I, I would have told myself to do that sooner. Mm, why? Well, I think when you're surrounded by peop other people who are going through this similar challenges in their businesses that you learn from being a part of their experience. And then you can also bounce off your challenges off of them. And, and, and that's why. I mean, I, I just think those organizations that, that provide leadership programs, um, it's like a sort of a drinking through a fire hose to get an education. Where as I learned going from opera to business owner, I learned that on the job. Uh, but I think I would have, not that I, that I would be a different leader today because of it, but I think I would have had different resources at my fingertips because of it. That makes sense. I love it. Well, everybody, please tune in for part two of our interview with Jillian. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com.